There is nothing artificial about leadership. As leaders worth following, we must upgrade our relational operating systems. Because real influence comes from leaders who build trust with empathy and insight. LeaderCast presents Human Intelligence with Radhika Dirks, Henry Cloud, Stephanie Chung, Eddie Ndopu, Erica Keswin, Joe Boyd, Andy Stanley, and Jeremy Kubacek. Join us and help fill the world with leaders worth following. It was like, they likened me to so much so to the point where everybody had a hard time working with me because I was constantly chasing. Oh, no, we're going to do this. Actually, yeah. no, no, never mind. I changed my mind. Guys, yeah. wait, great. We're two months in on, in on this. Never mind. We're going to change the Instagram handle. Here's where we're going. And everybody's like, ah, oh, now we have to like, what? And so, so much so that the owner of the agency, who's a deeply respected friend of mine, got me on the phone and said, we need to talk. Welcome to the LeaderCast podcast, a weekly deep dive into the stories that transformed our guests into leaders worth following. I'm your host, Joe Boyd. If you've been enjoying the podcast, thank you so much for being a listener. One simple thing you can do to help us out is give a review wherever you listen. Today's guest is Judy Holler. Judy is a contributor here on the LeaderCast platform. She was a speaker at our Amplify event. She's a keynote speaker and an author and a good friend of ours. And Judy and I have very parallel lives in that the Second City and improv comedy changed our directions forever. You're going to love this episode. You'll hear about how she deals with imposter syndrome and how a yes and attitude gets her through life. Let's see it. Hi, Judy Holler. Welcome to the LeaderCast podcast. What's going on, Joe Boyd? I'm so happy to be here. Leader cast. That's that's a big word. That's a big word. Yeah, yeah. Leader cast. We, <laughs> we are uh, thrilled to have you. You you absolutely were amazing and killed it at our Amplify event. Mm -hmm. And uh, for those who don't know, you had to fill in last minute because someone you you were on my list to bring in at some point. Trust me, but you mm -hmm. bailed us out big time because one of our folks got COVID and and uh, you came in. You absolutely were amazing. So thanks for doing that. It was awesome. Oh man, it was it was um such a joy. It was great to see you again because it had been a couple of years, but um what an event. And also there's a story in there. Because you know, this ability to bet on yourself when you get mm -hmm. called out of the bullpen and you yeah. know, somebody asks you to step up to the plate and and uh you know, hit that home run or hit that triple to 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 do what we need to do for a customer or an event like are you ready for that moment? And I think yeah. so many times we don't think about that. I mean, improv, we can get into my story here, but so much of my work is rooted in the improv theater and there's this moment in improv and you know, Joe, you you have an experience in improv where we're we're on stage, right? And so we're all lined up. And a lot of times if we're doing gamey improv, you've got two people out front playing in a scene and the rest of us are on the back line, okay? And at any moment, you could be tapped in. Yep. And I was tapped in. Yeah. And I, I, had, I had a choice to make in that moment. I could have done the safe thing and said, no, I'm not ready. Oh my God, what do you mean? No slides, no improv. I got to be there tomorrow. Or I could have bet on myself and done the brave thing. And I chose the brave thing. And because of that, um, so many incredible things were illuminated for me as a leader, as a performer, um, as an entrepreneur. And, you know, just thank you for trusting me with that moment. It was, it was awesome. Well, thanks for saying yes. 
Yeah. So, yes. And also, I knew you would. I knew I, I yeah. So, uh, folks that listen to the podcast know that I have a background in improv yeah. and at this point they're probably really tired of me talking about it, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's my story and my reality. Uh, a couple weeks back, uh, a month or so ago, maybe we had Kelly Leonard, uh, from the second city on yeah. and we talked improv and he was amazing. And, and obviously you, uh, um, we actually didn't meet doing improv, uh, but but found out later we had that connection after we did meet. So we'll be talking about that as we go. And and if you listen to this, just deal with it because it's what we like to talk about. So there will be a lot of improv talk this this uh, this podcast. Uh, but before that, I actually uh, have spent some time with you and know you a bit, but I don't know much at all about uh, little Judy uh, mm-hmm. and how you uh, grew up and what you were like as a kid. So uh, as the folks that listen know, we kind of use Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey as a template cool. just to see like early on, what were your ambitions? What did you want to do? What was burning in your heart? What adventure were you called to? And then uh, kind of take starting your story there. So if you could let us let us know what were you like as a little kid. And I love to ask the question, were there any stories that you were into or adventure stories or cartoons or anything that started to kind of pull something out of you? Yes, of course. Um, You know, I think the earliest sort of hero I had was Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. I thought you were going to say Golden Girls. Golden Golden (laughs) Girls. But I love that. Oh, my God. That's so funny. (laughs) Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. Okay. I would have probably been more um if if I were to pick a golden girl here, I'd probably be a little more like Sophia or Rose. Those would have been yeah. but yeah. I mean I think every every woman Blanche, has a little, I was gonna say every woman is a little Blanche in her, you know, you know me. I, I love my sequin. Um, I don't know, I'm a little bit of all the golden girls. No, but I'm talking about the Dorothy, Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz. Like yeah, okay. I remember watching the Wizard of Oz and literally feeling transformed by her adventure. I'm a Midwest girl. So uh, being disrupted by a tornado in Kansas wasn't, I'm from Missouri, wasn't, you know, it was very relatable to me. And I think, you know, when I was probably, you know, fifth to maybe third to seventh grade, you know, when, when I was really watching that movie, when it came out, I don't know, I'm terrible with years, um, but it was in color and stuff. I remember being like, oh, wow, to be disrupted and sort of blown away from this basic life in the Midwest to this adventure land of Oz felt so cool to me. And the costumes and the good witch and the sequin shoes and all the people she met on that journey, it just really spoke to me. And even to this day, I reference a lot of that film in my work because I think there is such a power in confronting the disruption and being sort of disrupted, which life is improv. We can't avoid disruption. None of us wake up with the script. So again, we're going to come back to improv because (laughs) life is improv. Um, You know, but also realizing that you don't have to do it alone. And there are a lot of people that can help you along the way. And that actually Oz doesn't even have the answer. Right. Yeah. You you have always had it. Like it's always been inside of you. And I think if, if Dorothy would have heard from the good witch at the very end, and this was what stood out to me the most, like, you know, the good witch would have said to Dorothy, like, listen, Dorothy, all you really needed to do was click your heels together three times. And yo, you would have been home. Dorothy would have never believed her. She would have been like, are you kidding me? That's all I needed to do. So, but she wouldn't have believed her. Like she needed to go on that journey to tap into the power that she always had. And I think as a woman, as a young girl, now a woman, that was big for me because I didn't have that in my house. Like 
I have, I have and had a very broken relationship with my mom. Yeah. And I don't think little girls can be what we don't see. Mm. And so Dorothy for me was this first example of, oh, hold on. You know, it doesn't have to feel scary and you can break the cycle and you can make something new for yourself. And I've got enough inside of me to go be something different than what I'm, than what I'm witnessing in my house. And that's forever, forever transformed me. Uh, that I'm glad that you that you really thought through that. That's uh, and it's such Wizard of Oz is like for me. Uh, for me, it's probably Star Wars, but there, some of those movies are so rooted in Campbell's actual work. So Wizard of Oz is like a masterclass in the hero's journey. Masterclass, yeah. From a because the first thing is you're in your normal life, and then you get called to an adventure. She got sucked into one, but like it wasn't much of her choice. Uh, yeah. But so for you, like you said, Ms. You're in Missouri as a kid. It was kind of rural Missouri. Yeah, like we yeah. were like a suburb, but yeah, yeah, like yeah, we had a quarry and a, a big, you know, um, a lot of woods around us. So we were outside catching crawdads. Yeah. I mean, I grew up very midwestern, you know, lower middle class, but yeah, like suburb, but yeah, Missouri. So as a little kid, you're thinking like it'd be fun to be Dorothy. But do you can you pinpoint the moment when you were growing up when maybe you felt a call to a specific adventure, like a realistic thing you could go do with your life. And what was that? What was that? <laughs> um, yes, kind of. Ironically, it is exactly what I'm doing with my life. It took me a bit of a journey to get yep. to where I am today. Cause I didn't, you know, I work professionally. Um, and Joe alluded to this at the top of the show, you know, I'm a keynote speaker, author, um, entrepreneur, I now claim entrepreneur because yeah, that is what I'm go. doing. We we share that <laughs> now. You know, we 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 make things out of nothing, which is also improv, by the way. Um, but but you know, I did not I did not you know kind of know I was gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna be a keynote speaker. But I I think um, the the earliest signs of it was was like I was a little baby keynote speaker in about fifth grade because from fifth grade to eighth grade. I was the weirdo who was doing like, I didn't do volleyball. I didn't do soccer. I tried it all, but I was like, oh, the ball, eh, like I hated it. <laughs> um, I eventually got into like pom-poms and dance, but I did speech meets. And okay. Joe, I wasn't like debate speech. I'm talking about get a monologue, a monologue from my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Brown, uh -huh. and go memorize that monologue, add your own swagger to it, and then go perform that monologue to people all across uh, Missouri and the region in the Midwest to potentially win ribbons for your ability to orate and perform and tell those stories. My dad to this day is like, where did you come? Like, where did that come from? Where did you come from? He's like, I would have to travel all around the region with you. Cause Joe, you know, I was stacking up blue yeah. and gold <laughs> ribbons. And so I was like a little baby keynote speaker. And I remember Miss Brown wrote in my eighth grade notebook and I still have it to this day. Like go do something with that. Go do something with that in the world. You should be on stage. You should be performing. Make sure you tap into that. Lean more into that in high school. Don't lose that. But I was from fifth to eighth grade uh, in speech meets, not debate performance. And I remember being able to, I remember being young, watching people, like how they would transform yeah. when I would transform, when I would get so into a story, when I would try something risky with uh, a way something was written and put my swagger onto it or add maybe a little component of my personal life into a piece of content that I was delivering. And I would watch, I was in fifth grade and I was making adults laugh. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? 
And and like, here we freaking are. Like, here we are. It's insane to me. And so it took me, and we could talk about it. There was a hero's journey I had to go through to come back to it. Um, But that was the earliest sign, like, of, of me doing, like, before the world told me. You know, before I got scared, before I got embarrassed, you know, before I knew I could be made fun of or hated on or trolled on or that, you know, you know, bad survey reviews could come through or whatever. Like before (laughs) the world tells you to like, shh, I was I was out there doing that. And now here I am doing it again with a little bit more courage, you know. I love it. We do. Every time we talk, we are. Our stories are really similar. I I grew up uh, very active in my church Mm. and uh, they actually had me like preaching when I was like nine, 10 years old, I think is a bit of a gimmick. Uh, But, um, and then all the little church plays, I'd be the lead in as a little kid. So there's something just whatever environment you end up in. I think if you're, if you're a performer, it just sort of finds its way out somehow one way or another. Um, And there's a, so I'll just ask this. There, there is usually a little darkness or sadness on the flip side of being a performer. Uh, Mm. Have you found that true with your journey? It's been true with mine. Yeah. Oh, For sure. No one yeah. is harder on me than I will than I am on myself. Yeah. Um, it can be a lonely, it can be a lonely road, right? Um, you know, you 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 can see all the highlight reels you want on Instagram. I literally, before we got on the air, just finished editing a video with a really inspiring voiceover <laughs> talking right. about go share your message to the world and all these photos of me on stage this year. Um, and that all looks great. And it is great. God, I love what I do. Yeah. But it can be lonely. And it can be hard and you're away from your home and you're away from your family and you can get deep in self-doubt and, you know, entrepreneur to entrepreneur, it is not for the faint of heart because every day you wake up and you make your own game, you make your own paycheck, you're, you know, how good you are kind of depends like the next gig, it's a gig economy, you know? And so that's hard, you know? And, um, so I think the shadow side of it is is the loneliness, the the overthinking, the self doubt, the asking for too many opinions. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you yeah, think? Yeah. Instead of like trusting, like you know what I mean, um, and and just really you know keeping the main thing the main thing. I you know I'm a, a like you a big visionary. I'm I'm guessing you're. I mean I I know you and you know um, yeah. I see what you create. I, I'm a visionary thinker, um, and that can distract me me sometimes. And I I think that it, it robs our focus. And when we lose focus, we um, can lose our fortune. And so I I work really hard on like trying to keep the main thing the main thing. Like what's my unfair advantage? I'm really good on stage. Stay the game, Judy. Go yeah. build other things. Great, but use this to fund it. Yeah. Like keep your eyes on the prize. And so those are just some of the shadow sides of of speaking uh sure. professionally. But um the good outweighs the bad. That's why I guess I keep going, right? Oh, well, you're very good at it and you help a ton of people. Um so let's let's get back into to thinking about uh what we call dragons. So um there there are ob- obviously things that have appear in your life that try to stop you from your potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're sometimes interior, sometimes exterior. But so in your journey to become who you are today, when I just asked you that question, what were the dragons you had to slay? Uh, do you kind of know immediately what to, what, what they were? A little bit. Uh, and, and honestly, and it's to, still true to this day. It's myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, well, there's, let's just address the mental health stuff, right? Like feeling like a fraud and imposter mm-hmm. syndrome and self-doubt and overthinking and perfectionism and all that BS, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I block a lot of my blessings because, um, I, 
you know, probably overthink too much. And, you know, I, I think I now know how to, I mean, I wrote a book called Fear is My Homeboy. You know, I realized that um, success isn't the absence of the fear. It's going scared. It's doing it despite fear. And I've built up because of improv and so many other things. I mean, I've built up my tolerance for pain. So now I have a hot, like, I, like I'm going to go do stuff. And okay, like even coming out to work with you, I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm either going to win or I'm going to learn, but I, I will not lose. And I'm, I'm also yeah. in great hands with an incredible creative production team who is going to set me up for success. Like I, I trusted in myself, but I think I am my biggest dragon. I'm always trying to tame that beast. Mm -hmm. And we were working with an agency earlier in the year um, to sort of get some clarity on a brand. I uh, thought I wanted to build um, that felt right. And it felt next and it felt safe. And it felt like this is the, I'm going to teach this new methodology yeah. and I'm putting it in a box because it's going to be marketable. And that's what we're going to do. And as we were doing that with this agency, we were with them for six months. When I say we, it was a man, my COO, Amanda and myself were, and our, our designer, uh, Brian, we were all sort of in these meetings and what the agency was watching was constant visionary whiplash. Yeah. It was like they likened me to so much so to the point where everybody had a hard time working with me because I was constantly changing. Oh, 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 no, we're going to do this. Actually, yeah. no, no, never mind. I changed my mind. Guys, yeah. wait, great. We're two months in on, in on this. Never mind. We're going to change the Instagram handle. Here's where we're going. And everybody's like, ah, now we have to like, what? And so, so much so that the owner of the agency, who's a deeply respected friend of mine, got me on the phone and said, we need to talk. Yeah. You know, you've got some visionary whiplash here. It's like she likened me to a dragon who has all this big stoic energy. But then I turn around to say hi to this thing over here and my tail would go whoosh and knock <laughs> everybody over. Analogy. Isn't That's that great? a creative agency an analogy right there for sure. Yeah. Right. And the way they presented that information to me wasn't like, you suck, you're hard to work with. Oh my God, yeah. we're annoyed. Defensive, defensive, defensive. It was like very much given in love and respect. and help us help you. And it changed my business last year. Um, we started reading books like Rocket Fuel to help us get focused and just really uh, tame the dragon a little bit. So I am the dragon. And I'm very aware of that. But I also know that sometimes outside forces can be a dragon. It's keeping those blinders on, looking at my own work, keeping being inspired, but keeping my eyes on my own paper and trusting, again, that Dorothy inside of me. Like, I've got it. The ruby red slippers are mine. I've already got I just got to put them on. Yeah. Like I have it all and I don't need to ask for a thousand opinions here. Like trust yourself, Judy, make a move. And if it doesn't work, what a great story you'll have to tell. Like go write about it. Go yeah. talk about it. Go speak about it. Right. Yeah. For some reason that reminds me of the, the Wonder Woman movie, the first one that came out of five years ago or so mm. that give her a sword. And we talk about how the sword in the journey represents your, your power. And so they good. call the sword, the God killer. Uh, and then it disintegrates at one point and the, whoever she's fighting, I only saw the movie once, uh, says the sword was never the God killer. You are. Oh, and, and kind of in every great story, there's that moment where we realize we've externalized a lot of dragons. And sometimes we just get life just comes at us. The tornado comes to Kansas. Right. But a lot of times it is, it is us. And it's that insecurity in us that we're always trying to chase. For sure. And the ego, the ego, yes. right? All that, which is, you know, for every strength you have, there's a shadow side to it, right? And so sometimes those guys are at battle with themselves. Yeah. And so, yeah, there is that. 
I think owning it. I think I have the one thing I know to your beautiful point, you know, the, the sword disappearing like that. I felt that because um, we create a lot of our own drama. You know what I mean? And I and the one thing I know for sure about myself is I just I, I cannot be the victim in my life. And yeah. I will not be. I watched my mom do that for way too long. Like, I, like I'm either going to win or learn here and things are happening for me. They're happy. Even if I have to make it until I make it, even if I don't believe it, I'm like, okay, why is this happening? <laughs> like, why is this happening for me? Why is this happening for me? Even in deep loss, right? Deep loss. How's this happening for me? And, you know, yeah. I get asked a lot, Joe, I, this is something I was just talking to someone this morning about, like, how do you, someone asked, how do you write, like, how do you write your keynotes? And how do you write a good keynote? Like, how do you write a good book? And yeah. how do you make, like, how is, here's my answer to that. Go live an interesting life. And then yeah. come tell me about it. Like <laughs> yeah. you want a good book? You want to uh, to make a movie? You want to fill up the, the the scenes that make up a movie? You want to go? You want to go um, write the be- next bestseller, the great novel that'll change the world? You got to have an interesting life. And I think people forget it. We fill our life with spreadsheets and calendar appointments and algorithms and Google and run real masculine a lot of the time. But I think when we open up, like play that's improv like open up the ability to go play in your life you start to go oh you know what I mean like I get my my greatest ideas when I'm hiking up a mountain or like running around Disneyland or whatever right like oh you bring out this this inner child that helps you tame the dragon I take a lot of showers showers for sure (laughs) vacation I came up with the idea for my book literally on my honeymoon reading another book and it was like an electric current people talk about downloads it was uh-huh. a download. It, I felt yes. a full body, visceral shift in, in, I had just read two lines in a book, disconnected from work, disconnected from my life. I was reading Big Magic by Elizabeth yeah. Gilbert. Yeah. And, and it was in that book that I was like, I wrote in hot pink Sharpie on the side or a highlighter rather. And I wrote, oh my God, that's it. Fear's my homeboy. I don't need to get rid of you. So, so yeah, I think that helps me tank, tame the dragon too. It makes that sword disappear a little bit. Like you've got to yeah. go seek the joy a little. You don't want the lack of professional development opportunities to cost you top talent. The reality is that all-star employees look for and stay with employers who invest in them and their growth. And one of the easiest ways for you to provide that is by streaming LeaderCast's newest event, Human Intelligence. There is nothing artificial about leadership. Real influence comes from leaders who build trust with empathy and insight. Invest in and empower your talent with LeaderCast Human Intelligence. Sign up now to stream the event at leadercast.com. For sure, a straight up lesson there on how disconnecting from your routine. The, the, it's, I always feel like it's like we can know for months or years something, but we we don't know that we know until we step away from our day to day. And then suddenly you're like, oh, I knew that. Why did? Why was it? You know what I mean? It's that breaking routine is huge, huge in trying to figure out your life, you know, figuring it out. Oh my gosh. I just heard yesterday. So I just finished a book about, um, I think it was by Chip Wilson. He was the founder of uh, Lululemon. So I'm reading a lot of books right Mm -hmm. now about like how they built these merchandise lines and manufacturing and all this stuff. I'm really interested in in it right now. And um, he was telling the story exactly of this. So the cliff notes, and I may get it a little wrong, but the essence is he, he hated 
highly discouraged routine. You know, this is the guy that showed up to work in board shorts. I mean, he created a, he started with a ski apparel line and very outdoorsy and all this stuff. Um, But he said, you know, you think of Toyota or Ford or some of these motor companies, these people wake up and they go to their offices and they drive the same way to work every day. And they pride themselves on that. They get up, they do the same thing and they're taking the car the same route, the same route, the same route, the same right route. But yet you have maybe a Japanese motor company or someone over here waking up every day, driving a different route. And they're seeing different things. They're seeing different cars, different vehicles. Oh my God, there's hybrids. Wow, that truck sits up really high. You Instead of driving to work and seeing just all the Fords driving to work, you're taking a different drive to work, seeing all kinds of different things and the other options that are available to people, which then in turn makes you know, the potential creative team, the marketing team, the thought leadership team think differently about things. So I guess the whole moral of the story is you've got to shake it up. You know, you you want to try new things. You want to take a different drive to work. You want to yeah. meet. It's like avoiding this, like birds of a feather stick together. That is so dangerous these days. Like this is yeah. why SNL has writer's room, right? This is why we table read. Yeah. <laughs> like I want your your eyes on my work, right? And I yeah. do that for my keynotes. I do that with my work because I want eyes on different eyes on on the body of work because i'm going to get different things from those yeah other humans you know i absolutely do the um let's get to the the reason sometimes you just have an instant connection with someone and for me and you for me it was a very specific part of our shared story in that basically the second city improv uh changed changed both of our lives Big time. um and it, it is like one of the top three turning points of my entire life was when I connected with the second city and what I learned training there and then eventually getting to perform there a little. And uh, so I don't meet a lot of people that have that exact same story. And I know you told some of it already, but a lot of folks listening to the podcast didn't hear your last keynote at LeaderCast. So uh, tell us how how you found uh, the second city in improv and, and let us in on that part of your life. Yeah, it's, um, we do share this. And for me, it was transformational. It is a story that guides my life and is a constant awakening and every single day. Um, and here's what it is. Um, I, I actually didn't take my first improv class till I was 30 years old. Yeah. Okay. So I am working by day. I've built Which is, a- in improv <laughs> world is like almost dead. Like I was a most fossil, people are guys. doing it at 22, right? Or ancient yeah. fossil. Right. Ancient. Me too. I started at 28, I think. So yes, which we also have in common. So yeah. weird. Yeah. yeah. So crazy. So I mean, I was 30, right? And yeah, I mean, I, I have a career. I'm making some money. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm in hotel sales and marketing by day. And I had just moved from St. Louis to Chicago by way of a big promotion. So I'm making six figures, my first six <laughs> figures. Yeah. And I'm like living in my place in Chicago and I'm single and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I've always, I've, you know, clearly speech meets little baby keynote speaker, Judy. I'm mm-hmm. like, and I've always loved SNL and I always have known about Second City. So I'm like, what do I have to lose? Let's just sign up for improv level A. Okay. Mm-hmm. Doesn't require an audition. Just go see you. Maybe there'll be a cute boy. Although you've come to find out pretty quick, you know, you're not going to really meet your next, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you met your wife in improv, but you know, I didn't, I did it didn't really work. <laughs> I wouldn't want to, I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to date myself. Um, so I looked outside the improv theater for, for love eventually, but, um, you know, I'm like, okay, maybe I could meet someone, whatever. I made some friends. I was new to the city. So I signed up for the basic classes, level A improv. I'm 30 years old. I pay the fee. They do not give you your money back. It is legit non-refundable. I uh, walked all the way, way there, got to the, the improv classroom door, literally stood at the door and never went in. Never went in. Yeah. 
I remember lying when people asked me if I was lost. I was like, oh, there was a Chipotle in the bottom and like a Starbucks. It's like, actually, I'm looking for the Starbucks or maybe I, I lied. I, I, yeah. I just acted like I was lost. Oh, my bad. Wrong room, wrong day. Whatever I said, I got out of there. And it took me two years. Like the big fear, let's back up, was that yeah. I was too old, right? Everyone was going to make fun of me. Who did I think I was? I'm not even funny. All these kids, all these kids trying to be on SNL. What am I doing? I, I, so it was I more about your more about your age than actually the fear of doing improv. Exactly. Think? Insecurity, yeah. okay. self-doubt over again, that dragon. I yeah. am the dragon, right? And yeah, the fear that I was too old was really my big freaking hang up. I like yeah. felt so embarrassed about it, you know? And so um I quit. And it took me two years to go back. Um, but I did it. At the age of yeah. 32, I went back and we can click into why I went back because I think that's even a story. Uh, but it, at 32, I went back. I paid the fee again. I walked all the way back. And this time I opened the door. And what's so cool is in one of my keynotes, I have a, a slide that I put up that shows my first ever improv ensemble. And literally the first woman I met when I opened the door, literally it was like, she was sitting, the first ones I saw sitting on the bench, her name is Shelly. At the time she was 55 years old. University of Chicago professor taking improv yes. to like think yeah. on her feet in a classroom. We also had a guy named Frank and I show him too. sales guy, 51 years old, like wanted to be more confident. So, wow. Like yeah. that moment and that moment, me opening the door, despite my doubt, despite my own inner dragon made the sword disappear. And look at what happened. I ended up yeah. quitting my job and starting a business and writing a book. And, you know, like here we are today, like there are so many things that have happened on the other side of that choice. And it just proves to me that it's never too late and you're never too old and you do not have to be fearless. It is okay to be scared. And actually, if you're scared, you're probably doing it right. You should yeah. probably open the door. <laughs> Um, and it changed my life. So now I open doors, Joe. Like now I'm like, boom, kick it open. Let's yeah. go. Right. Like, right. I'm like, let's walk. Okay, great. Didn't like what was there. Cool. I can always close the door. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I open doors and I jump. This is why when you call me, I go, okay, I'm going, yeah. I'm going, I'm going to get on the plane. You know, yeah. thank God it was available, but I go right. Because yeah. I know there's, there's, there's something on the other side. I, I never get tired of hearing. I think it's the third time I've heard you tell that story. And I, I never get tired of it. It's just, and for a, I guess for a speaker teacher person myself, it just um, it just unfolds as metaphor so well. I know it's a true mm. life story, but the th this first time when you told it, I thought of maybe you had opened that door the first time. You would you probably weren't the oldest one. You just didn't know it because you didn't know who opened the door, right? Yeah, yeah. And think that. about what I could have meant. Like I think about it all the time. Like a regret, man. That is what I am trying to avoid in my life. And I, you know, I think about that. I'm like, God, who could have been in that room? Like who would have been on my ensemble? Who would I have played with? That's probably on SNL right now. Like what could have happened, you know? Yeah. But I'm also like, how many doors are we not opening? What are we walking by every day that could actually change our lives? That could have the potential, whether it's yeah. a person and, you know, a sales call we need to make, like there's all these doors we walk by every day that could, um, change the course of our lives. So I'm a little more curious now and I move yeah. faster because of that moment because I don't want to miss the magic. And it, it makes me think, I know it's not the way you normally unpack this, but there's also the reality of sometimes you're not ready to go, mm. on, you know, and maybe it wouldn't have been so impactful That's on big. you if you hadn't had to deal with the two years and it living in your brain. That's big. <laughs> uh, that's cause big. Cause that's your whole life is it. because you, your whole story is that you went back and faced your fear. And, uh, part of that's, you know, maybe you just weren't ready. Damn, it, it's I just, got goosebumps your story's on that just one. so great. Your story's so great. Thank you. Um, 
sadly we're running out of time because I like talking to you. It's so uh, fun. But uh, the uh, uh, talk just a little bit. I usually ask like kind of a serious question, and then I'm, I'm th- I'll think of a fun one here at the end. But um, so yes, and is the is the uh, mantra of improv. Uh, I have it tattooed on my forearms. I love it. Uh, I love and it. And it it has become. And when Kelly Kelly Leonard was on here, he talked about it. And he said, you, you would like this, I think. Um, uh, he said, for him, yes, and is at the beginning of everything. Even for improv, it's 101 improv, you always say yes, and. Now, eventually you'll say no, because you say no in the real world. He's like, but it, it, it's how I approach the beginning of everything, is I'll say yes at first and add to it. And then eventually you do have to say no. I kind of love your stuff as an improv nerd, where you camp out a little more on the and, where I tend to do the yes. Could you talk about what yes and means to you and specifically kind of what the and part means? So good. Yeah. I think throughout the history of time and improv, those two words have always gone together. And truly, I think throughout time, yes has always kind of been the star. I mean, there are books about yes and movies about being a yes man and a yes this and say yes and get more yes and yes, yes, yes. And yes gets you in the game. It is so important, but I think and is Batman (laughs) and yes is Robin because if you don't move down the field, yes, is you catching the ball. Yeah. But if you don't move down the field, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And fear hates that because fear has one job to stop you. So yes, and helps us move through fear on an improv stage, but same in life because it keeps us keyword there moving. So I love the and because I love movement. I love movement because I know fear wants to stop me. And so the, if if I know that I have the antidote, which is movement and and is my movement. So yeah, of course, there are going to be no's. I love no's, right? No's are boundaries. No's protect yep. your yeses, Joe, right? right. Which is yep. why we love yes. We love yes, because our yeses are, are a big deal, uh, yep. but no's can protect our yeses. So that's important. But I, I love it at the start of something, but I love it to keep continuing the things you love, right? Like if you want to live an extraordinary life, um, you have to keep moving despite the hard stuff. We can't stop the hard stuff from happening. So what do we do when we are faced with a rock bottom or a a devastating loss or uh, something we did, a a global pandemic that shuts down our entire business and we're trying to figure out how to pay our mortgage, right? We have, yes, this is happening. And here's the next thing I can do. I don't need all the things. But what is the next thing? So to me, yeah. and is the next thing. It's not the best thing. It's the next thing. That's yeah. why I love it. I love it too. So here's my uh, fun question. I'm, I know for sure when you train in improv, you end up going to a ton of improv shows um, and performing with people. Uh, who is, whether you shared a stage with them or just watched them, who was the improviser that you were just the most starstruck by where you're like, I can't believe they're making these choices? Oh my God, Andrew Knox. I, I can't believe he's not famous. I, I, I'm like, how are you not on Saturday Night Live right now? He, yeah. Chris Chris Red was in, uh, Chris Red's on SNL right now. He was yeah. in my uh, conservatory program. So we were all at Second City at the same time. And Andrew Knox, go look him up. I think he's soft, soft Knox um, on Instagram. <laughs> he is the most caring, giving, selfless, I mean, that's the the secret of improv. It ain't about me. It's about making you look better than me. Absolutely. And that's a leadership skill and a leadership trait that I think everybody needs to hear these days. But Andrew is a star. He is hysterical. He, I (laughs) adore him. He came to my book launch in Chicago. I just, he, I want to see him get famous so hard. Um, He's brilliant. (laughs) 
He's just, I've, he's, I've got I, a few friends like that as well. That, uh, that, come on, make it happen. I don't know how he does it. It's so good, but you want to play with him because selfishly, I'm like, I'm yeah. gonna, he's going to make me look amazing up here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He's absolutely, the best. For sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Jason Sudeikis was one of my coaches. We're, we're the same age, but I started late, Stop. like I said. And so in my, in my like final level class, the coaches do the show with you. And I can remember being on stage, just, I, I was, I was not there. I was just watching. I was out I was of body. Audience. I'm like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta respond to this guy. I was just amazed at the choices he was making. It was insane. He's a good Oh, team. what a gift to play with um, him. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's a legend. He's one of my all time faves. Yeah. And you know, Rachel Mason, Susan Messing, you know, I was never in yeah. class with them, but they both, they both have taught me and they're just, God, they're women that are, that are just so right. good. I'm like, you're not human. We got our nerdy, nerdy improv praise. Yeah, we got it our, out. I feel and better. Our name, our name dropping out of the way. I Main feel better. Name yeah, uh, I feel better. But hey, did did you learn to say I got your back before every show in improv? Before every part? show, my friend. Before um, every show. Okay, well, uh, I got your back. I do. Mm, I'm here for thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It goes both ways, my uh, friend. I got yours. Thank you. Um, if someone wants to connect with you, uh, what's the best way to do that? I think judyholler.com, my website. Uh, I'm on Instagram, probably the most personally, although we are everywhere. So um, those are great places to connect with me. And of course, you know, if you haven't read my book, Fear is My Homeboy, it's a cool place to start. And honestly, uh, just a great thing to read, certainly at the beginning of the year, as you think about how you want to show up a little more bravely. So those are my favorite places. Thank you, Judy. (laughs) Guess what it's called? What's that? Yes, and with Judy Holler. Go. <laughs> We're going to get you on that show. You're coming Let's on my it. show. I got nothing. I sit here all day. I got nothing else to do. Yeah, this is it. You uh, got a great set. Thank you, Judy. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Yeah, you too. Ciao. Empower yourself and your team to tackle some of the most difficult leadership challenges and grow professionally with LeaderCast Now. The LeaderCast Now app, an online platform, provide you access to more than 1,000 video lessons to help you navigate issues like change management, remote working guidelines, emotional intelligence, workplace conflict, negotiating, and more. Visit leadercastnow.com for more info.